lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thank you for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Aaron McIntyre. He is Todd Erzin. You are you. Let us know what you think about what we think. You can do so by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can also like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And then look for me free of censorship over at MeWe Parlor Gab and Getter. And then you can get clips of the show that you can watch later on for free and are free of censorship over at rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. Little programming note, uh, the Rittenhouse jury has been given the case. They are deliberating as we speak. They went into deliberation about an hour ago. Should there be a verdict during this show? And frankly, we should hope that there is because... And the longer this goes on, it seems like a pretty open and shut case, unless you got a couple of ideologues on that jury of of self-defense, if you ask me. So hopefully, we will have to interrupt today's program at some point to give you a verdict, because we suspect that the sooner that that is announced, probably the better the news. So stay tuned for that, just in case. We have a jam-packed show lined up for you today. Next hour, I decided it is finally time I've cleared out some hard drive space. I went in to my personal cache, deleted some things that didn't have to be there any longer, all right, and decided there's finally enough space for me to get educated on Bitcoin. So next hour, we will devote an entire segment to that end, and maybe some of you that want to get educated on this, you can come along for the ride as well. Pop Culture Tuesday, now that we're into the final furlong of 2021, a lot of what are supposed to be the best movies of this year will be coming out here in this next month or so. So I thought it was a good time for me to give you my list of what are the 10 best movies I've seen so far this year and why. And then we'll see how that list does or doesn't change uh, between now and the end of the year. Uh, at the bottom of this hour, some fake news or not. And I realized, you know, we haven't done the old standard. Let's just line up some clips and find out if you guys think it's fake news in a while, right? All right. So let's let's do that this week, and we will do that with fake news or not at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, of course, we begin with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Closing Arguments. Closing Arguments in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, the teenager from Illinois who faces charges of homicide, among other things, for his defensive actions during a riot in Kenosha, Wisconsin last summer, were delivered by the defense and the prosecution yesterday. Rittenhouse's lawyers said, He has as much right to go there as anybody else in the city of Kenosha and be unmolested by the likes of of Joseph Rosenbaum, Kelly, and Joshua Zeminski. Meanwhile, prosecutor Thomas Binger made his closing argument by grabbing an AR-15, putting his finger on the trigger, and pointing the AR-15 at the jury. He also had this to say about the child rapist Rittenhouse shot in self-defense. Let me tell you all the awful things Joseph Rosenbaum did. He tipped over a porta potty that had no one in it. He swung a chain. He lit a metal garbage dumpster on fire. Oh, and there's this empty wooden flatbed trailer that they pulled out in the middle of the road and they tipped it over to stop some bear cats and they lit it on fire. Oh, and he said some bad words. He said the N-word. 
The jury is deliberating today as to whether Rittenhouse is guilty of homicide. Judge Bruce Schrader earlier this week dismissed the charge of unlawful possession of a firearm against Rittenhouse. Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers deployed the National Guard to Kenosha, anticipating violence at the outcome of the jury decision. Random blue checkmark tweet from somebody named Gregory McKelvey. Employers, consider giving your black employees a day off or two after the Rittenhouse verdict. Regardless of the outcome, it's going to be hard for black people to work and isn't fair to expect them to. In other news, Beto O'Rourke, the failed Senate candidate turned failed presidential candidate, is now running for governor of Texas. Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15. Also in Texas, this man showed up at a school board meeting. I've got over thousand soldiers ready to go. In case you didn't catch that, the man said he has a thousand soldiers locked and loaded, ready to intimidate parents opposed to critical race theory. And now this, if you've been on Twitter for five minutes during the pandemic, seeking alternative sources of information, analysis, and critical thinking when it comes to the pandemic, you've likely stumbled upon the work of an individual by the pseudonym Ethical Skeptic, one of the foremost thinkers and in-depth analyzers of team reality throughout most of the pandemic. Well, Ethical Skeptic has some new analysis to share. Essentially, Skeptic believes and brings receipts that the Chinese Communist Party concealed the presence of SARS-CoV-2 as far back as March of not 2020, not 2019, but 2018. The ramifications of this hypothesis would raise even more questions as to the intentions of the gain-of-function research, which likely led to the virus's creation. His entire hypothesis is way too long to do justice here, so you can find it at theethicalskeptic.com. That's theethicalskeptic.com. Here's Professor Norman Fenton of Queen Mary University in London on why a statistical illusion is making the vaccines look more effective against death than they actually are. So here we have our hypothetical example, population of 1 million with this increasing vaccination percentage each week, weeks from 1 to 20. So the population of vaccinated starts off low, but gradually gets to close to 1 million, the opposite effect in the unvaccinated. And the mortality rate is constant. It's 15 per 100,000. So those are the number of deaths you observe, which give this constant mortality rate. So those are the true figures. Now let's look at the reported figures. What we're going to do is, instead of reporting exactly it is, we're going to take these, take the deaths for the vaccinated, and report them one week late. So we'll copy and paste that into there. And you see these very different rates coming up. Do exactly the same for the unvaccinated. Very different. And now we can do the direct comparison. We can plot that direct graph comparison. And there you can see the illusion of a higher mortality rate in the unvaccinated, peaking as the vaccination program ramps up. Philosophizer King Anthony Fauci has some thoughts about stuff. Well, one of the things that to me was most difficult to accept is that we put together a good plan for how we were going to try and dampen down the spread of infection early on, thinking that that was accepted by everybody and then the next day, the president saying free Michigan, free Virginia. What, what, I, I didn't quite understand what the purpose of that was, except to put this misplaced perception about people's individual right to make a decision that supersedes the societal safety. Meanwhile, in Austria. Mother. Yes. 
Would it help if we sang about our favorite things? No, darling. This is one time it would not help. Whoops, wrong clip. Meanwhile, in Austria, the government has imposed a lockdown on all unvaccinated citizens. Police can now be seen wandering around public areas, randomly checking the vaccination status of Austrian citizens. The Ottawa Senators NHL team is canceling all their games this week. The team is 99% vaccinated, but is facing an outbreak of COVID. And finally, this from the Babylon Bee. Hey there, are you hesitant to get the vaccine? Yeah. Then get the brand new government-approved Vaccinate Me Elmo doll. Wow! Elmo loves experimental vaccines! With the Vaccinate Me Elmo doll, your kid will finally feel the pressure and shame we've successfully made you feel to get the COVID vaccine. Quick! Give me the vaccine! Elmo don't want to be responsible for the deaths of friends or family! Thanks! <laughs> now Elmo's a good person! The Vaccinate Me Elmo doll comes with a toy syringe. A stethoscope. Elmo, your heart is beating fast. Are you having complications? And a tiny vial of something. It's not the vaccine, promise. It's, uh, water. Let your kid drink it. Elmo, can't you take your mask off now? No! Gotta keep that mask on! Forever! That feels like mixed messaging. I wish I could play that entire clip, but that's not fair to Babylon B. You can find the entire video. You should watch it all on any of their social media channels. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage brought to you by Alliance Defending Freedom, who is getting off the sidelines finally in the battle against COVID stand. And they are going to war against Biden's attempted vaccine mandate. If you want to support that cause because they represent all of their clients pro bono. They get by on donations from people like us. I've made a donation uh, to this particular organization to this end. If you'd like to join me, here's how. Uh, just go to ADF. That's ADF for Alliance Defending Freedom. ADFlegal.org. ADFlegal.org slash Steve. And you can make a tax-deductible donation to Alliance Defending Freedom in their effort to defeat the Biden vaccine mandate. All right, adflegal.org slash Steve. Again, that is adflegal.org slash Steve. All right, let's let's get to Aaron's montage, and that is very well done by the Babylon Bee there, by the way. Um, the Texas man threatening parents. That seems a lot like domestic terrorism to me, what he is threatening there, correct? Their rules. Yes, Here's something I used to say evil always accuses good of doing what it's doing. Mm -hmm. Let me put a finer point on it. The enemy, capital E, the enemy always accuses the brethren of what he's doing. The enemy always accuses the brethren of what he's doing. And this is what the current administration and its Justice Department claims that those of you that just want to know what in the Sam Hill are you teaching my kids, this is what you're doing and who you are? No. It's what they're doing and who their voters are. The enemy always accuses the brethren of doing what he's doing. Don't ever forget that. So whenever you're falsely accused of something, if you're wondering what's the enemy up to, it is always that, right as rain, rule of thumb. As St. Paul would say, this is a trusty saying. Elsewhere in the montage, Aaron referenced the ethical skeptic piece about what is the true 
born on date for COVID-19. I read through this thing first thing this morning. Now, if you are a COVID nerd, you know who Ethical Skeptic is. And you also may find yourself puzzled. Have you guys ever read read some of his stuff? Mm -hmm. It is not easy to decipher what he is actually trying to say, is it? And, and, And I don't know who this guy is. I just know his data is rock solid. But trying to decipher his conclusions on his data can require, frankly, a level of brain power that not even I um, am able to unlock many a time. Which is why I was fascinated at how this summation was written. So, Aaron, you looked through this. Mm -hmm. Does this read like a lot of the stuff he puts up on Twitter? No. No, it's very defined. Yep. It's very blunt. There aren't, there aren't any hedges here whatsoever. There's no, well, you know, I'm just following data and I don't want to draw it. No. This is communicated now in a, da- in a style Steve Dace here gets and understands because that's how I communicate. Okay? Uh, my first boss in talk radio told me, you know, when you make arguments, you don't kind of leave room for people to draw another conclusion. And I'm like, because I'm not making arguments. I'm winning arguments. I got into this business to win arguments, not make them, okay? Even when I tell you, hey, we're not trying to start an argument, we're trying to win an argument, we're trying to start one, it's with the end goal, though, of winning it. It's just what I have found over the years is a lot of times folks just aren't even in the argument we're trying to win yet, right? So let's, let's prompt that argument and then we'll try to win it later. This piece is phenomenal. It is the best compilation of research. I have seen since the beginning of this scandemic, yours truly's work included. It is A plus 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 plus, like in the Christmas story, which just writes all the pluses out on the sh- on the sheet. That's how good this is. Now it will not be read in five minutes. So if you have the attention span of a gnat, why are you listening to this show first off? <laughs> all right, but then number two, it's too late for you to self-govern then. Okay, but if you want to connect some dots. And what he does is he quantifies a lot of the trends I looked at from the very beginning. When I said, how do we flatten a curve if we don't know when it began? And looking at a lot of the flu and pneumonia data leading up to when we finally declared COVID-19 a thing, what did I think? This is very circumstantial evidence that this thing was here from the very beginning. That we had a pandemic on our hands before the media started their escalating graphs. He's going to go back even earlier than I thought. And he does it phenomenally. I've got it linked on all of my social media accounts. Or what did you say it was? Ethicalskeptic.com? Yep, theethicalskeptic.com. Theethicalskeptic.com. Okay. And it's up on all of my social media accounts. I mean, you have to see this. And you have to read this. And share it with everybody you know. Aaron, you want to say something? If we can get into just short weeds here for, for a little bit. If you were, I don't know, um, a Chinese Communist Party, maybe had some designs on um, regional at least or global hegemony and just wanted to, 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 to sow chaos in the world in the midst of um, trade wars and domestic strife in Hong Kong and and other things as well. 
but you knew if you had a biological weapon, it would take time for that to kind of permeate all four corners of the, of the globe. Um, how would you do things differently? Exactly. Because essentially the argument is, well, this is not part, essentially what I read and what I concluded, you wait until the opportune time when the virus has already spread everywhere to begin to say, oh, hey, we've got a pandemic over here. Start that testing apparatus around the entire globe and then everything shuts down instantaneously instead of a long, slow drip over two years. What would you do differently, Steve? Because if you do it differently and if you cause more instantaneous and cataclysmic damage, then you start putting other nations in a in a in a no-lose scenario. You, you start cornering them and they start thinking about things like mass reparations. They start thinking about things like mass boycotts and isolation of you within the global community or within global markets. They start thinking about things like, um, you know, instead of, you know, Taiwan wondering how many Chinese planes are going to buzz their tower today, maybe we start buzzing yours, right? You do it this way. You do it this way and you cause just enough damage to assert your own hegemony, but you don't put your enemies or you don't make new ones for that matter or your competitors or adversaries and turn them into enemies because you have so devastated them. You've left them no redress, but an offensive action in order to gain remuneration here. He lays out a very potent case along those lines. So I would highly recommend you take some time today, preferably after you're done listening and watching us, in order to read this through all the way yourself. Queen Mary University, the professor who noted there that if you just backdate all these deaths a week and you do that in an Express Excel spreadsheet, you actually get all the positive vaccine data that they have been pimping out recently. Now, I have no idea if that's accurate. Not that when I say accurate, I don't mean as math. I mean the the premise that they're doing that, okay? But I will say should it be that simple to just come up with their data by just adding that one modifier? Doesn't that seem a little suspicious that you can basically come up with all of their vaccine propaganda? By just adding that one codicil into a spreadsheet and graphing it out. I'm not saying that's what they're doing, okay? But should it be that simple to reverse engineer their data? I'm almost hoping that this guy's wrong. So am I. Because, listen, even I, anti-vax guy, as Steve has pointed out many times, I don't, unlike all the people who apparently want everybody to die by not giving them ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, just about anything, I I, I was willing to concede that, the, you know, this thing at the outset may tamp down the, temp, the symptoms, the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And originally the data did show that and the da- and the with da- the original variant it, or the original mutation. But, man, if um, you, you think I'm radicalized now? Oh, Nelly, if this is true. I don't even know what I would, I don't even know what, what I, I, sackcloth, ash, um, in a remote location. I, I can't eat locust. So I mean like spare ribs and honey. Okay. Like pizza and honey. All right. That's as, that's as John the Baptist as I can go as the ugly American. Is that fair? 
maybe like a one-topping pizza to show that I'm truly in a state of lamentation. Okay. I'm already hedging it. Maybe. I'm already negotiating. I can do the honey. All right. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't even know how I would react to this. Just so you guys know where this guy works, I looked it up. It's the number seven rated university in the UK. It's rated 114th in the world university rankings in the world by U.S. News and World Report. This is, I mean, this is, Queen Mary University here is not, again, this isn't some flunky school you go to because you couldn't get into the one you wanted, okay? I can't stress enough how the two last two things you've talked about relating to COVID relate to one another. China, and, and Aaron's point about what would they do differently? Going all the way back to 2018. Well, if you're going to pull this off, your understanding of the current psychology of the expert and the motivations of the expert class of the world, that they would be the kind of dopes who, instead of viewing you as an enemy, would be part by default of these kinds of shenanigans. There's truth has just people have no interest in it. These days, all this narrative and all is narrative to the point of slavery on behalf of those who in any era have to trust experts on some level, especially in the, the economy that we have. There is a default setting that we give ourselves over to people in goodwill, representative republic. We have no such thing if the lies are this grand and the desire for them are this grand. So you actually, I just segued into a point that you wanted to make. You just segued into the point that I was about to make. All right. And I will get to that here right after I tell you about our friends at Home Title Lock. If you don't own a home, don't worry about what I'm going to say here for the next 45 to 60 seconds. But if you do, be concerned about what is called home title theft. This is where cyber thieves around the world know that our home values are sky high right now. They search public databases looking for home titles. They log on uh, and find personal information about you that even if they can't steal your identity, they can use to identify as you when they log in as you. And then make it look like you've sold your home to them on some kind of a property sale form, like a quick claim or a quick claim deed. They then refile as the owner, taking out your equity. All right. This can happen. It has happened. Don't let it happen to you. Don't wait, though, until you find out before it's too late. All right. Because that's when those voicemails, emails and snail mails that you never want to see start showing up. Get an ally in this fight with our friends at Home Title Lock. Uh, Go there right now, hometitlelock.com. Register your address to see if you're already a victim. And then while you're there, enter the code RADIO to get 30 free days of protection to protect your most important asset, your own home, at hometitlelock.com with the promo code RADIO. In the clip that, that, that you play of Anthony Fauci, he makes a statement that he considers it ridiculous, immoral, that we would think our individual liberty trumps the safety concerns of society as a whole. Folks, that's the, that's the entire mission statement of America. It does. What, what, what Anthony Fauci is saying there is exactly what you're just talking about 
what you were just saying, mm-hmm. the elites really think about our way of life. Everything about our way of life says nothing, nothing gets in the way of individual liberty, except if you use your individual liberty to impose on somebody else's. We have God-given rights that go to individuals, not to groups. Governments aren't granted rights. They're given enumerated powers. That's why our Constitution lays out specifically what government can't can do, and therefore, by extension, those things that are not laid out are all the things that, therefore, by extension, what? It cannot do. That's why the Bill of Rights ends with everything not explicitly granted, enumerated to the federal government, then, therefore, happens at a more subservient level within your state. The entire missiology of our form of government. What is the, what's, the, what's the motto of our state? Our liberties we prize, our rights we will maintain. Who has societal safety in their state motto anywhere? We have 50 states. Do any of them have societal safety as a reference to any of their, in any of their 50 state mottos? Even California, Massachusetts, New York, societal safety mentioned? For a safe and secure republic. Yes, thank you, President Snow. What Fauci literally said there is, I am the Senate. That's, that, that's, yeah. that's what he did. That if there is a public safety concern, whenever we've done this, by the way, or when we all agree some of the worst acts have ever occurred within the executive branch, Lincoln suspending habeas corpus, Internment camps for Japanese-looking Americans. Explain it. Tell me one thing that has ever happened in this country where we put societal safety concerns ahead of individual liberty, and the end was, you know, we're really proud of that moment, and we can't wait to tell our kids about it when they get to school here in the next generation. Think of one, go. Answers never, never. Every worst decision that's ever been made in the history of this country has started from some rationale that Fauci just articulates in that clip. No, sir, societal safety does not, does not override our, in the concerns of our individual liberties. It doesn't. The prophet Benjamin Franklin knew as much. Those who wish to That's sacrifice right. freedom for safety deserve neither. Desire, deserve neither, yes. Which is quoted right at the very beginning of our book, Fauci and Bargain. Now, does that mean, east of Eden, that there is never a time that we do need to set aside some of our individual liberties for a greater threat to our safety? Like, for example, we had, we had rationing and curfews during World War II, right? But that was, that was based off of the effort led societally. Is Anthony Fauci a society? He's a lot of things. He's a lot of things, many of them from below. But when was when were when were the people? That was done, by the way, after FDR went to the people's house and asked them to declare war as the representatives of the people of these United States. Has anything approaching that occurred here? No, it's been endless executive order after endless executive order, emergency mandates, it's emergency shutdowns, lockdowns, without any sort of fail-safe or over oversight whatsoever. That's not America. 
When Anthony Fauci preaches in that clip would have gotten him hung as a traitor in other generations of this country. A government official saying your individual liberties are irrelevant when we see a safety cause that had him on treason charges. In fact, it wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have dared say something like that out loud. And the generations that founded this country would have tarred and feathered him in five seconds. That would have been the light sentence he would have gotten. That's a window to the soul of what's been driving this from the very beginning. A complete and total disregard for our individual liberty and rights. Because our individual liberty and rights gets in the way of what this is really about. Because it's not health. And it's not saving grandma. It's been about something else from the very beginning. Something insidious, nefarious, demonic. We'll come back. Fake News or Not is next here on Blaze TV Radio and Podcast. Good mail day yesterday. My refill of Omega XL arrived in the mailbox. I'd been out for the last few days and I was starting to feel it a little bit. All right. So good to be back on the wagon with an outstanding all natural anti-inflammatory backed by over 35 years of clinical research and the last couple of years of me using it on a daily basis until the last few days when I ran out. And here's why you want to take a look at Omega XL. You know, you got 360 joints in your body. That's a lot of places for inflammation to seep in, especially as we get older, even if we want to stay active. That can be an issue. All right, so uh, deal with the inflammation that is likely the cause of your chronic pain in your hips, your knees, your feet, your arms, your back, your shoulders, when you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve today. OmegaXL.com slash Steve. If you go there, they're going to offer you buy one bottle Get a second one for free today. Buy one, get a second one for free today at OmegaXL.com slash Steve or give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. All right, let's do some old school fake news or not. You guys ready to go? We haven't done this in a while, right? We haven't. We've kind of had a lot of, well, there's been a lot of meta fake news stuff to debunk for the last few weeks and slash months on the program. So I thought, you know, let's do an oldie but goodie. And I'm just going to line up some clips that I found interesting. And then you guys tell me from any, whichever context you choose to determine if you think it is fake news or not. Are we ready to go? You, you bet. S- you seem Let- very jubilant about this. I feel like I'm about to get shanked. No, no, no. It's just, you know, we haven't done it this old school way in a while. Mm, sure. So just you know, okay. mixing it the up. The way we'll you see. said no, 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 the higher yeah. register of your voice yeah. <laughs> certainly didn't do you any favors. If there is if there is any shanking uh, that ensues, it, I, I promise you it is not intentional. Okay? I promise. It's not intentional. Right? Does Is this the face of a guy that would set yeah. up his own team like that? Yeah. All right, let's get to the first clip. (laughs) Now even the guy in my ear is agreeing with you. Let's get to the first clip. Steve Bannon declares war. You see these signs right here and the guys over here saying insurrection and all that? 
That's what this country's about. It's freedom of speech. They got their opinions. We have our opinions. Okay? Hang on. They have their opinions. I'm telling you right now, this is going to be the misdemeanor from hell for Merrick Garland, Nancy Pelosi, and Joe Biden. Joe Biden ordered Merrick Garland to prosecute me from the White House lawn when he got off Marine One. And we're going to do, we're going to go on the offense. We're tired of playing defense. We're going to go on the offense on this and stand by. They, by the way, by the way, by the way, you should understand Nancy Pelosi took, is taking on Donald Trump and Steve Bannon. She ought to ask Hillary Clinton how that turned out for them, okay? We're going on the offense. All right. Fake news or not. What do you think? Well, I guess I got to go fake because in total, I just cannot accept it. I, can I believe that a hit was put out on Bannon just for fun? Yeah, I can absolutely oh, yeah. believe that. But uh, that Bannon now is getting serious. Listen, I, we were begging Steve Bannon to be serious at the beginning of 2016. And whatever he says he did uh, to Hillary Clinton um, ultimately relied on Hillary Clinton doing a lot of things to herself just by being Hillary Clinton. We need that the guy then could actualize a game plan afterwards. And so you mean the beginning of 2017 after the election? Me. You're yes, of course. About. Yes, okay. th- thank you. For- I mean, once they were in the White once House. Once they were in the White House. Yeah. So now, like, just for you? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think so, Steve. Let's uh, say it's fake for being held in contempt of Congress. Is there like and being charged with that? Is there like a discovery process or something? Yeah, it's going to be. He's been indicted. There's going to. This is a criminal case. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm still saying fake news. See, I, I, you know what? I'm going to go John McLaughlin on both of you, and say you're wrong. I think he's got every single incentive, every single one to uh, to go scorched earth. I can't think of an incentive he has to not. The incentive to not was was taken away when they indicted his ass. Now that he's been indicted, all that incentive is gone. There's no incentive to play nice or play within the rules or accept. Uh, I mean, to me, I think this is a mistake by the Democrats to give him this level of a platform, to grant him. Why, why, why don't they, how come no one came after our Fauci book? We used to have this conversation. Yeah. Right? We were shocked. It's the number one best-selling book in the United States of America. There has to be something in here we got wrong, right? Nothing. Nobody's perfect. We're not. We, I mean, we stringently researched all of this, but there's over 200 footnotes. Something, we, there must have been one that we massaged and didn't realize it or took out of context because it's not our area of expertise that could have been used by some by some media entity to show this entire book doesn't know what it's talking about. It's just another right-wing polemic. Don't believe these people, right? Instead, they ignored us. Does that mean you don't think that any, none of those media outlets looked at this book? I'll bet you several of them did. Yeah. So then why didn't they come after it? Juice wasn't worth the squeeze. That's exactly right. That's why I think to me, you leave Steve Bannon where he's at. If if you're these guys, okay? You leave him in his corner and, and he's not even a unifying figure within MAGA world. There's people within MAGA world that don't that like him and don't, okay? He, but he has a sizable audience within MAGA world, but it is not like an all-encompassing one. You know, he's at times he's been on Trump's to-do list. At other times, he's been on his you're done list, right? You leave him in that corner. You let him do his podcast and his, you know, war room stuff that with its audience. 
and you and you just leave that out there exiled into the hinterlands to bring him in to the capital into district 1 and to provide him a platform by which because he here's the thing he can't go back to his audience he can't puss out here guys and go back to his audience he cannot do that especially after saying stuff like this okay I just think this, to me, I think you will see him go as as scorched earth as he can go. He has no incentive not to. They're already coming after him criminally. What's the, so, so the incentive not to ended when they charged him. I, I agree because it's selfish now and it's his back against the wall instead of the actual good for the country. But I think the left thinks like this guy really has no game and he showed it. So ultimately the, Ooh, watch out. I'm coming just like I got Hillary Clinton. I don't know. Like. Weren't you reflecting on all of this after the fact? I still remember. I remember the first time I heard Steve Bannon saying, "Like who the hell, is Steve Bannon?" And you talked about yeah, that I didn't on know the show. Who he was. Yeah. So I, I, I think I'd been this- all over the country doing conservative organization and grassroots stuff, and until he came into Trump's orbit, it, you know, after he left Breitbart and went officially to the campaign, I, I had, I mean, I knew people at Breitbart. I'd had, I'd never heard his name before. Yeah. So I'll be if, if which is why again I think. They have, they have made him an equal. They've granted him an audience, a platform. I, 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 he has every incentive to, to just, you know, Danny DeVito, this thing, hit me, hit me, hit me. Why not? What, why not? It's a misdemeanor charge. Even if he's found guilty, it'll be some hefty fine and 30 days in jail. The amount of audience he can grab by, by nuking these people with this platform, way far is more beneficial than whatever the maximum penalty that would be derived for him here. Anyway, okay. But it's you guys' call. Let's get to the next one. I don't even, this is something, um, how do you say things like this with a straight face? So uh, I would just note that this is not, you know, sometimes it's, I'm not saying you're doing this, but sometimes people compare this to the Recovery Act of 2009. It is not that. We are not in the middle of uh, an economic, a historic economic crisis right now. This is an opportunity. We have the highest inflation we've had in 30 years, the highest gas prices we've had per capita in the history of the country. We have historic supply, systemic supply chain issues. You know, I'll stop talking. This one just seems like kind of a layup. So, Aaron, I'll give this to you. I'll give the easy one to you first. All right, fake news or not? Uh, this is um, this is not fake news because what's going on now, if this administration continues to get its way, uh, is not going to seem like a historic economic crisis in about uh, five, six, seven months, give or take. So, uh, not not fake news. So. You think she's telling the truth, but just not for the reasons that Correct. she's trying to lie. Yeah, I like that. Okay, Todd. Uh, this is maximum uh, George Costanza. It's not a lie if you believe it, and they've perfected <laughs> uh, this art. They really, the they lying to them is very, very easy. And As you it, like to say, the lie is the point. Yes, it yeah. is the it is the point. And why wouldn't you do it if you are untethered? To a God who flat out commands, don't lie. What In just this game of life, uh, survive or be trampled over. Uh, they are who we thought they were. 
did God really say? Well, once you once you're on that side of the ledger, you're you're gonna lie with impunity. All right. Next clip. Convince you that Joseph Rosenbaum was going to take that gun and use it on the defendant because they know you can't claim self-defense against an unarmed man like this. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one who brought the gun. You lose the right to self-defense when you're the one that brought the gun. Just as I said a little while ago, what Fauci says in that clip is a complete undoing of our way of life. Isn't that clip? Yes. But that's the point of the Second Amendment is self-defense against all enemies, both foreign and domestic. Right? That's why you're, you have a right to keep and bear arms because it is the embodiment of self-defense. It's not the canceling of it. It's the fulfillment of it. And again, when lying is the point, you get there with zeal. It, he, look at the. He's never been prouder of anything he's ever said. No doubt. And this is like with journalism. I mean, the, he's, he thinks he's come up with that point, like, like yeah. the, your your former uh, newsroom buddy who says, would, would Jesus have carried oh, a gun? Oh, yes, exactly. Like, he thinks he's really come up with, like, yes. a, like, like, this is a brilliant point. Yes. Like, you lose the right to self-defense when you bring a gun, as opposed to the gun is the instrument yeah. of my self-defense. Yes. So just as journalism is supposed to be beyond narrative, I don't, a lot of people think of... The two sides in a courtroom, it's shirts and skins, but it isn't that way. The, the the prosecution is not supposed to be there fundamentally with narrative. It's supposed to be there fundamentally to discover the truth, whatever it may be. That is the prosecution's job. And it clearly does not care. In fact, it's more than not caring. It it cares. Uh, in destroying all foundational American notions of justice. Otherwise, you can't say something like that with that much glee. That guy, People have been making a lot of fun uh, of that guy is utterly incompetent. Uh, I, I'm not so sure. Uh, I think this guy thinks he wins either way because the cult is here and he's going to get his and he believes in the mission and therefore you say what needs to be said to anoint the message of the cult the win or the loss in particular to him in this case i don't think he thinks he can lose as you were just saying todd it, you know the lie is the point the lie is essential the lie is foundational to the leftist that that is that's it's the point again it reminds me a few months ago, um, I was blocked on Facebook by a former coworker of mine who posted in quotes, I don't wear a mask because Jesus will save me from, and this is a, this is somebody who I, I worked with at a Christian radio network. Mm-hmm. I don't wear a mask because Jesus will save me from COVID. Same people who wear, who, who uh, take a gun, who, who, who use guns or who, who conceal carry. Trying to, to trying to lampoon Christians who don't want to wear masks, who also carry a gun, and I just responded, and I, he blocked me for the. I don't wear a mask because it doesn't work. I wear a, I, I, I use a gun. I wear a gun because it does actually, <laughs> and I got blocked for. That's the same line of reasoning yeah. that he's being that's being used there. Yep, absolutely. I mean, in a previous era, a prosecutor who said in court. 
that when you bring a gun, you lose your right to self-defense would have been disbarred. Voted out of office, impeached, yeah. tarred and feathered. And this is the same guy okay. who has commented on Rittenhouse's silence, who yep. has done all other rigmarole in this. Th- this guy's going to be. This guy's going to be a Democrat nominee for state yeah, legislature yes. or state senate or Congress in if, the next few years. If he lo- loses, Kenosha burns. Oh, especially if he loses. If he yeah. loses, yes, Kenosha burns again. It's a mostly peaceful protest, and yep. property isn't violence, and all the lies that will come out of that only validate. Yes. Him. That's that's the game we're in the middle of now. There is there is no sharing a country with this. Nope. And 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 I don't say that offensively. I say that observationally. They are telling you with statements like yes. this, they have no intention of sharing this with you. No intention whatsoever. All right, one more. Four legs are still good, but two legs are even better. Boosters. It, it's it's very clear that getting th- three jabs, getting your booster, will become an important fact and. Uh, it will make life easier for you in all sorts of ways. And we will have to adjust our concept of what constitutes a full vaccination to take account of that. And, uh, and I think that is uh, increasingly obvious. Steve, remind me again, when you talk about the data... That's Boris Johnson, yes. by the way, for those of you listening on the podcast. When, when you get the data uh, that we have had the longest, the countries that have been vaccinating the longest and and have... Uh, the most accurate data. What what countries' data do you use right now? Boris Johnson's, the United Kingdom. Yeah, they they the, have they provide the best data stratifying between vaccinated it, and unvaccinated in the world. Has he seen it? Because how do you say that if he's seen it? See, this is why you. I said last week. I said in a radio show in Charlotte. I was on this morning. In countries like the UK, they actually give their people the right data, and then they just do the tyranny anyway. In our country, they lie about the data. In, to do the tyranny, his hospitals are full. Yeah, of the vaccinated. They have, they have a, they have. It's, it's worse in that country now than it ever has been. All right, is this the post-vaccination wave of COVID in the UK is worse than it is is, is worse than it ever has been See, in the country? This is what again the symmetry of why things work. Why a prosecutor can lie like that in America, but he c- counts on the disconnect of people, whether leaders or not, like Boris Johnson. He's given simple math. One plus one equals something, and he gets rutabaga. You, we can't share a country with... We can't have a country. Forget about sharing. We just can't have one anywhere with this level of disconnect to the facts on the ground. And that's why they want it. They, they know this. Their point is to get rid of countries. point is to get rid of borders. The point is for you to be under the control of a globalist cabal that isn't really you know, accountable to your little trite little elections. That's the point of all this. Hour two is next. Back with hour two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Don't forget, you can email the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. You can also look for me on MeWe Parlor, Gab, and Getter if you want to get beyond that big tech censorship. And you can also get clips of the show that are free to watch and also free of censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. Thanks to all of you that listen to the podcast version. You are a huge part of this show's uh, big explosive growth over the last couple of years. If you haven't done so yet, though, and you are a podcast aficionado, please consider 
leaving us a five-star review and hit that subscribe or follow button, whatever applies to however or wherever you podcast from. And thanks to all of you that have done those things for the show already. We're appreciative of each and every one. Also, you might be wanting to be appreciative of the new uh, interest rates that remain at historical lows. Uh, If that's you, before you go in for that mortgage or refi, make sure you've got all the information on your credit score that belongs to you and not just the big banks. Don't let them blindside you with information about yourself you didn't know. That's what I did before I did our refi here a few months ago, and I used ScoreMaster to do it because ScoreMaster will let you know exactly why you have the credit score you have and then give you a battle plan to getting to the exact credit score you want. It can make a big difference, not just on whether you get approved, but the terms and conditions and the rate that you can qualify for, even if you are right now capable of getting an approval. So if you want to learn more, it takes just minutes to enroll. You can see your points, get more points, qualify for the lowest loan rates. When you go to scoremaster.com slash Steve, Again, that's scoremaster.com slash Steve. They make it so simple. Even I could do it at scoremaster.com slash Steve. So a good buddy of mine, um, I, I, our CEO here at, at Blaze Media, Tyler, says about one of the only things other than Jesus he's got faith in right now is Bitcoin. Uh, a good buddy of mine has been on me for weeks saying, man, knowing you, if there was ever an economic manifestation of the Steve Day Show, this is it, okay? And just so many people I know in this audience and personally have been like, you've got to get in on this. But as I explained about a week or so ago, even my memory banks have a hard drive limit. And they have just been so loaded up with COVID and everything else, I finally decided to stop using that as an excuse All right, so a few days ago, went in, cleared out the cache, some hard drive stuff, files I'm not using any longer, stuck them in my mental cloud, all right, so I could clear off some space to finally get informed on what's this phenomenon known as Bitcoin, especially because what was my prediction on the Dace Group last Friday? That in 2022, Bitcoin or cryptocurrency owners are going to be the new unvaccinated. The government's going to come after them. The Biden regime will come after them next as a way of shifting blame, because that's always what Marxists do, uh, shift blame from their economic failures as this gets worse and worse. I think we're absolutely looking at, I hope I'm wrong, but I think we absolutely are looking at a recession next quarter. And they look to shift the blame. So none of their COVID mitigation strategies worked out. So blame the unvaccinated. Economy goes into the tank. Blame these people that have opted out to be selfish and not helping the society as a whole. Go after these people that have created an alternative economy of scale. So I kind of figured, you know, if I'm going to make that kind of prediction, I might maybe should get a lot more informed about that, which I'm making predictions upon. Fair? Yeah. So the name of the book is Thank God for Bitcoin. It's actually about a year old now, but uh, The Creation, Corruption, and Redemption of Money. One of its co-authors, Jimmy Song, joins us now, and he is our guest on the show holding the book there. Good to see you. Good to meet you, Jimmy. How are you? I am good. Thanks for having me on the show. Tell us who Jimmy Song is. 
I am a programmer of uh, 20 years experience. I've been doing a lot of different, I, I've worked in a lot of different industries. I got into Bitcoin about 10 years ago and I've been coding in it. I've been writing books on it. I've been teaching on it. I've been doing all sorts of things related to Bitcoin. Why? What, what drove you into this 10 years ago originally? Well, I, what drove me in was the hard scarcity of Bitcoin. Um, I understood the mathematics and uh, the programming stuff that went into it. So when I saw it and saw that it had a 21 million limit, I was immediately convinced that this was something that I needed to get into because I knew that it was scarce, uh, unlike you know fiat money and everything else. What's the term cryptocurrency mean? Let's Let's do a very basic course on this and start from day one. All right. This is a crypto. Okay. What's the term even mean? Well, cryptocurrency, the term comes from a combination of cryptography and currency. So there's a lot of cryptography involved in cryptocurrency. And specifically, um, you know, cryptocurrency refers to this uh, large ecosystem of different tokens and whatnot. Bitcoin was the first, and I would argue the only one that actually matters. All of the rest are kind of like fiat 2.0. They are people running their own central banks, if you will, uh, whereas Bitcoin is something very different because it's actually decentralized. No one controls it. And there's no monetary policy that uh, that can be changed. It's, uh, it's fixed with a 21 million limit, uh, whereas all these other things are sort of subject to the whims of whoever created them or whoever's in control of them. What is the origin of Bitcoin? Who did make it? Who did create it? Uh, it's an anonymous developer named Satoshi Nakamoto. We still have no idea who that is. Um, and, you know, it might have been a group. It might have been a person. I, we, we don't know. In other words, that could know. be a surname for a movement, for example. Yeah, it, it definitely could be. Um, it, it, Satoshi Nakamoto released a white paper on Halloween 2008. And the network went live a few months later, January 3rd, 2009. Uh, so, but Satoshi disappeared right around 2010, late 2010, 2011. So actually this, this person that created it wasn't around all that long compared to the entire history of Bitcoin, which is about 12 years, maybe a year and a half, two years, uh, you know, that Satoshi was around, but, uh, you know, basically the project has been running without Satoshi for about 10 years now. So this isn't then just... A money. This isn't just this is a mar an alternative market. This is a movement. This was specifically created with with freedom and liberty in mind. Is 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 how I would deduce what you just told us. That this was this was done with. I mean, it's vested with kind of an endowment, I guess, for lack of a better description, to keep it independent. Okay. I mean, it that this that this was basically done with the intent of providing individuals. Uh, and to to maintain their financial literacy and, and liberty independent of government schemes. I would say so. That That's uh, like enshrined in the Genesis block, which is the very first block of this thing called, we call the blockchain, which is the ledger of all transactions that have ever been on Bitcoin. Uh, but the very first block has uh, the, you know, news, uh, the Times newspaper headline from January 3rd, 2009, um, chancellor on the brink of second bailouts. And of course, it was uh, created uh, in the wake of the great financial crisis of 2008. Um, and, you know, Satoshi's writings do seem to indicate that this was a big concern. And 
you know, allowing people to have their own sovereignty over their own money, which is part of this cypherpunk ideal uh, from which Satoshi sort of like, um, you know, created this thing, the, the ideals of the, you know, like self-sovereignty and liberty and things like that, which have been around for a while. That, that was the basis from which this currency was created. How lucrative is it now? <laughs> well, it depends what you mean by lucrative, but uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, one Bitcoin is uh, trading for about sixty thousand dollars, and it continues to go up. When you bought your first, what was it? Um, around two dollars, three dollars, something, somewhere around there. So it's this was ten years ago, obviously, um, and it's uh, it's done a lot better because there's an increasing demand and a fixed supply. So that's uh, what generally happens. Who's buying it? Give me, people, give me the compilation of the typical Bitcoin owner. Yeah, uh, so there, there are lots of different types of people that are buying. And certainly there are people that are trying to hedge against the inflation of the U.S. dollar, which has gone absolutely nuts in the last 20 months. And it's going to get uh, worse. Yes. Yeah. And uh, but a lot of people are buying it that are international. Um, it, certainly people in uh, sort of high, high inflation countries, uh, Nigeria, Lebanon, um, you know, Certainly in Venezuela and Zimbabwe, there it, you know, Bitcoin is a lot more popular than it would be here on a per capita basis. Um, and, you know, e East Asian countries. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's honestly people that want to hedge against uh, sort of the uh, the monetary inflation of their local currency. And it ends up being an excellent store of value because of its hard limit of 21 million Bitcoin. So, Jimmy, you sound like a smart guy, right? You came from the developer world, okay? Mm -hmm. And you, uh, so obviously you are good at subjects that science and math and others that a lot of Americans, frankly, aren't. And then you recognized a good opportunity. You made a $2 investment that's now worth $60,000 in entry. That's, that's a pretty good annual ROI, all right? You sound pretty smart. So you have to know that governments like the United States that are heaping all this inflation upon their people and currency in, a, in an allegedly free market economy that isn't, or governments like China in a command economy where fiat is the actual philosophy, all right, not just an action that we take to get an outcome we want, but that's the methodology incarnate of how they operate. They are the two largest economies in the world. They're on into, into perpetuity. They're not going to take too kindly to you guys just opting out of their currency manipulation scheme on a global level, right? You guys understand this, right? Yeah, um, and certainly China has banned Bitcoin in all sorts of ways, and they started back in 2013. So there was one sort of China banning, another sort of China banning, up to the point where they've kicked out all of the miners and they're all displaced and uh, many of them are moving here to Texas, for example. But that, that's, uh, that, that's part of the whole thing about Bitcoin is that it is decentralized. You can't just go and kill it. There's no central controller. So that means that I can possess my Bitcoin. Um, and It's an know, open no source really currency. There's nobody to corrupt, you're basically saying. There's no one to buy off. There's no one to provide a seat at the table. There, there's, there's, there's no mark here because it's an open sourced currency, right? Yeah, and uh, and furthermore, it's uh, it, it's it gives you the ability to really possess it. Um, they can't take it away. It's not a physical thing like gold, where they can actually physically take away your gold if you if you're in possession of it. 
with Bitcoin, it's uh, it's computer code. It's uh, it's kind of metaphysical in that way. You it, you can keep it in your brain. You can keep it on a piece of paper. You can back it up in like seven different pieces on seven different uh, you know vaults around the world. So it is extremely difficult to just sort of go and take away. Um, and in fact, it, I, I would liken it more to like a belief or something. Where you know, if you really don't want to give up that belief, um, you don't have to. There's no forcible way to go and seize it. With, with something like gold, and this is known by anybody that's lived in a hyperinflationary economy, you try to leave a hyperinflating place with gold, the border guards will just take mm -hmm. it, right? Like um, so. Uh, th this has been one of the things that we've noticed is that a lot of people in Venezuela are able to convert whatever meager possessions that they might have into Bitcoin, cross the border into Colombia and sell the Bitcoin there and start a new life. Um, th this is one of the features of Bitcoin that's highly underrated that a lot of people don't really understand yet because they see it, uh, they, they haven't really understood the concept of decentralization. We have a lot of people in our country right now that have a strong belief against forced vaccination. Mm. And it would be really messy um, for blue state governors or the White House to send out National Guardsmen or uh, the FBI to forcibly inject people. The, the really messy headlines, videos, no one wants that, right? I mean, that's how you find out just how low your approval ratings can go. So instead, what they're trying to do is make it that you don't have, you can have all the beliefs about the vaccines you want, but you can't act on them as a free citizen. You are given a second tier status. You can't go to an event. You can't go to a school. You can't have a job, can't come into this building, right? And, and so they attack, since they can't do anything about the demand side, they attack the supply side of your belief. They can't demand that you change your beliefs. So they attack the supply side of you acting on it. Why can't they do that to something like Bitcoin? Why can't they well, say that you can't convert it, that to, to provide the means of someone converting what they own in their own code into a tangible currency or transaction is illegal? Uh, to attempt to use it as a means of remuneration is illegal. Why can't they do that? Well, they could try. Um, the thing is, it's a peer-to-peer -peer currency. So that means that ultimately what you have to do is monitor these peer-to-peer -peer currencies. The, the thing is, uh, with other government mandates involving financial stuff, there's always sort of a financial intermediary that you can go for. Like the um, treasury so or the mint or something like that. Or the bank. Right? Or a bank. Um, and the, right. uh, this was a program under the Obama administration that was a, something called Operation Choke Point, where they mm -hmm. wanted to uh, you know, uh, prohibit uh, payday lenders and gun shops from having bank accounts. So they they basically told the banks, hey, like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And right. they, they were able to uh, sort of threaten them out of that. Um, there is no third party. Um, I, I, if I if I wanted to send you Bitcoin, there's nothing. There's no in between step that can really stop it. Um, and that makes it very hard to make illegal. Like it, it'd be kind of like saying you're not allowed to shake hands with anyone anymore. Well, I mean, unless you're there to monitor every time, uh, you know, people are shaking hands, that would be a very difficult thing to enforce. Um, so that in, in that way, I think, uh, you know, Bitcoin gives you this ability to do things outside of the government purview, because 
Unlike the current financial system, which has all sorts of choke points, uh, Bitcoin doesn't have any of those. Um, I mean, there are exchanges and things like that. So they can make laws saying, oh, you're not allowed to run an exchange in the US. This is uh, you know, sort of what China's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but peer to peer, you really can't stop it. Uh, so if, that's if really the like, choke point then. As, as long as finding another person that is willing to act, as, act subversively with you, as long as you have that, you have a market, basically. As long as, as long as you pull into their particular stock and trade or their house or uh, their online you know, uh, crypto storehouse, as long as you're, they're willing to engage in this commerce with you, no one can get in the way of that, provided you can find someone that will put a value to your crypto. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, more or less. And you can you can do that. And again, I want to make this distinction. It's not it's Bitcoin is one thing. Crypto is another. I meant Bitcoin um, is what I meant to say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, uh, with a lot of these cryptos, quote unquote, they, they actually have the same central points of failure. So EOS, for example, um, is one of these cryptocurrencies and they had a transaction that was considered illegal. So they basically kicked it out or reversed it, basically, um, which makes them sort of that uh, that choke point that a government can go after. And all of these altcoins have that, whereas Bitcoin does not. And and that ability to trade sort of, uh, you know, like without any third party is the entire point of Bitcoin. It's uh, it's a peer to peer currency. It's uh, it's meant to not have a a trusted third party that that can sort of stop your transaction. Um, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, all of, all of these things are used as a way to sort of suppress monetary transactions between two willing parties. As we've been seeing over the last uh, last twenty months or so, they're, they're, you know they can choke those out. And in fact, what put Bitcoin on the map was back in two thousand ten. WikiLeaks lost their PayPal account, right? The government put a lot of pressure on PayPal to end the donation uh, PayPal account that WikiLeaks had. And they, they went out and said, okay, well, we need some way to take donations. Um, and, uh, you know, nobody will open, let us open a bank account. What are we going to do? Well, that, that's when they found Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, they, they were able to subsist on that Bitcoin for quite a while. Now I can see why my buddy Brett thinks that if there was ever an economic model that is the manifestation of the Steve Day show, this is it. What do you spend your Bitcoin on? Like, tell well, it, if I, you don't mind us, if, what's the last Bitcoin transaction for a tangible good that you made, if, if, if you don't mind telling us? Um, I, I, I bought a silver coin from somebody that mm-hmm. was like sort of a commemorative coin uh, at, at a recent Bitcoin conference using using my Bitcoin. but. I, I think that's sort of like getting into the pay, method of payment aspect of Bitcoin. And that yeah, I'm just trying to make it but. the average person listening and watching this, make mm-hmm. it tangible for them. So theoretically, I have this I have this value. OK, mm-hmm. in my account, in my Bitcoin account, I theoretically have this value of what can I then do with it? Right. That's why I asked that question when I right. want to bring it to market. Okay, because that's what gives me the power as a consumer, right? As I bring, I bring this, I bring this currency to market. What can I do with it? Yeah, uh, so it depends on where you are and what merchants you're uh, you're dealing with. Uh, but if you go down to a place like El Zante, this is uh, what's called Bitcoin Beach down in El Salvador. Um, you can pretty much buy anything that you want with it. There, there, you can go to Starbucks and get a coffee. You can go to Burger King, get a burger. You can 
go get surf lessons on the beach or something like that with Bitcoin as well. Um, and that's because El Salvador is uh, progressing into a circular Bitcoin economy. Um, and there are certainly things that you can buy with Bitcoin, lots of things actually. And there are services that will convert the Bitcoin for you and allow you to pay in dollars, even with your Bitcoin hmm. um, and, uh, and, and get the good or service. Uh, the thing is that if you buy anything with Bitcoin, you end up regretting it. And I have many stories of uh, having done that where I, I, I spent my Bitcoin back in 2013, 14, 15, and it's come back to bite me because those those things that I spent money on, uh, on my Bitcoin on, they end up costing way more because of Bitcoin's price appreciation. So it's much more useful as a store of value, as savings. Final question. What, what has you worried as a Bitcoin enthusiast, proselytizer, if you're writing a book about it, what are you concerned about? I'm concerned about the uh, creeping authoritarianism that's, uh, that's coming into pretty much every country. Um, fortunately, in the United States, it's not quite as bad as it is in, say, Canada or Australia. But I do think that it's, uh, it's definitely encroaching on our liberties and, uh, and, you know, this is one of the few ways in which we can effectively protest against, uh, against government intrusion of that stuff. So um, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about the, um, the in tremendous amount of money printing that is going on. Um, and I call it money printing because it is. It's, uh, you know, taxation without representation, legislation, or transparency. Mm -hmm. And it's done on a continuous basis. And you know, for the last 62 years, uh, the annual monetary expansion rate as measured by M2 money supply has been somewhere around 7%. The CPI number is a joke. It doesn't reflect anything about the actual uh, inflation that's going on. And we've been blind to it mostly because of the technological innovations that have uh, mitigated the monetary expansion to a large degree. Uh, but I think we're starting to see that slow down. And, um, you know, it, everything I've read about hyperinflation is just not good news. Um, and I fully expect that in sometime the next uh, 20 or 30 years. Final thing I want to ask you about, what do you think of my prediction that next year you guys are the unvaccinated? That when this thing heads to a recession in the first or second quarter of next year, you know, the statists aren't going to say, yeah, maybe we should roll back on all the stuff that, uh, that Jimmy Song was just talking about. You know, they're not going to do that. All right. They're going to look to mm -hmm. shift blame. Somebody, there's always a scapegoat, right? This year, it's the unvaccinated. Next year, why isn't it you guys for opting out of this economy, acting selfishly in your own interests and, for, and, 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 and passing your burden on to other poor, unsuspecting Americans? Oh, um, they might try, but it's going to be a very difficult sell. Uh, for example, minorities are taking up Bitcoin on a per capita basis at a higher rate than you know non-minorities and so on. It's going to be a very difficult sell. There are already many senators and congressmen that are into Bitcoin and recognize its value. So I think that would be fairly difficult. My prediction would be they're going to blame China or supply chain or something to that effect and make it a foreign thing and possibly go to war over it. So an even cheerier prediction than the one I made. All right. <laughs> Perhaps. All right. Thank God for Bitcoin, the creation, corruption, and redemption of money. Uh, Jimmy Song is the author. You can get the book. It came out about a year ago. But uh, as you can see, the guy is a wealth of knowledge on the topic. Thanks, brother, for coming in and enlightening us. Really appreciate it. 
Well, thanks for having me. And hopefully you guys can learn something from the book. Absolutely. Thank you, man. God bless. Take care. You too. I want to get you guys thoughts of that conversation because as he was talking, my mind went to a place I just would have not anticipated it ever went to just even a couple of years ago. All right. But first, let me remind you that Built Bar, yes, I tried it again. On the ninth attempt, the pumpkin puff, it's got nine lives, man. It stood up to the test of time. That's how good the greatest protein bar of all time is. You can get the pumpkin puff. You've got the return of coconut brownie chunk, which is number two in my Built Bar flavor power ratings, or any of their everyday regular flavors are great too. Covered in real chocolate, loaded with flavor, but not loaded with carbs, calories, and sugars. If you want to get to Built Bar now, you want to try it for the first time or the next time, get 15% off with the promo code of my last name, Dace, D E A C E. When you go to built.com, that's B U I L T. For built.com and use the promo code DACE to get 15% off the best protein bar of all time today. For built.com, promo code DACE. What were you guys' thoughts on that conversation? It's like a computer version of the Cayman Islands. Like, remember when we've learned about the firm yeah. came out? I had never heard of the Caymans and they make the firm and all of a sudden you you know about that. And I, But I still don't understand, like, we never would have thought that this thing called... Facebook and Twitter, which advertise itself as platforms. Uh, I mean, there's certainly a vibe they're trying to express about this is for everybody, but also legally, so they would not, the fallout and the consequences of, of nasty stuff being said, right? Well, now they still have those that that legal basis, and they ignore it all up to the point of banning the former president of the United States on that. So when you just decide the rules aren't the rules anymore, this is the part I keep. I mean, Jimmy has a level of comfort in this that like, it seems like sooner or later, if if forces want to make this go away, it, it's not some sort of mystical hedge in perpetuity like anything else. Look at what we've learned in the last couple of years. The terra firma we thought existed Here, here's the difference. goes away there's, fast. There's no Twitter jack. There's no Mark Zuckerberg. There is no central agency that claims this is its intellectual property. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what makes it different. It's still, it requires a mainframe of some kind to do this. It's not wampum. You're right. It's, but it's just, from what he explained, it's just a mainframe. The mainframe, the soil and green is not but, people. It's, it's just not a, a centralized right. Main. I get that, but why does that exist into perpetuity? We're, because of the because the of the original the original cap investment that was given, so that it couldn't outgrow uh, outgrow its own network and therefore be bought bought off and corrupted. I mean, I'm totally out of my sphere of aptitude and caring quite frankly and not because i don't think it's worth caring about i just i just it's don't. a true free market it, it it's what it's it truly is the value that other people think it's worth because it's done peer-to-peer it's a true free market it so if you wanted my bitcoin it, it's sixty thousand dollars a coin now but you might decide that it, you know my stash if i wanted to sell it to you it was worth ten thousand dollars a coin or jimmy, ninety thousand dollars a coin jimmy is still on uh, do is you he? Want, yeah, do you want to uh Jimmy, are you are you still there, my friend? 
Um, I am. Do you, do you want me to explain that part? Because yes, I, I know it's 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 hard to. Can you do it in about a minute? Because that's all I have left. So go ahead. <laughs> okay. So the reason why it's not just like a central like computer that's running all of that is that everyone can run their own nodes. Yeah. So unlike the Fed, where you can't audit it at all, um, everyone is auditing every single transaction if you're running that software. And there are about 50,000 people around the world that are running the software yeah. and anyone can do it. You can check every transaction that's ever happened on Bitcoin and make sure that they are legit, that they're not printing more- Because it's Bitcoin open source. It's supposed to and so on. It's yeah. like a libertarian free market version of Hydra, yes. essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's there, there aren't any Federal Reserve meetings, cabals, everything is open sourced. Everything is. That answer your question? He tried. All right, we'll come back with more. <laughs> well, our last guest, uh, on top of the promotion of Bitcoin, did he work for the El Salvador Chamber of Commerce, man? He was selling that as a place to, hey, that's where you can go and be free. That's one of the reasons why we've been saying, hey, just in case you want to get out of here when they're going to blow up your currency and pass on hyperinflation. If you are looking for a wealth haven, go where a lot of American retirees and veterans are going these days, uh, where you can live pretty high on the hog for 24 grand a year, pay 0% income tax. Healthcare for as little as twenty six hundred a year. If you're making a hundred grand a year, I mean, you can have like and you know some oceanfront property, like George Strait, brother, in a place called Panama. It's not just a Van Halen song anymore, even though it is their best song ever. Uh, if you want to learn more about retiring in Panama, uh, you can get information for one hundred percent free from our friends at International Living when you go to buypanamanow.com/slash/steve and get your copy today. At buypanamanow, all one word, buypanamanow.com slash Steve. All right, before we get to Pop Culture Tuesday, just to show you guys where, where my mind is at right now and where it goes in these days and times in which we're living. When, when, when Jimmy was talking about the essentially an alternative economy, vis-a-vis uh, -vis Bitcoin. And that, yeah, you could outlaw transactions with it. You and I were just talking about this during the break. But ultimately, if it's peer-to-peer, -peer, as, as long as someone's willing to be the peer that goes peer-to-peer -peer with you, can you really enforce that when that if, if masses of people decide they're just going to do it on their own? Is that an enforceable edict? That's what we've talked about, right? Mm -hmm. Can you if if you have a mask mandate, but fifty thousand people storm the field after a big win, can you enforce that mask mandate right then? No, no, it's not enforceable, right? You get to arrest all fifty thousand people, right? That's kind of what he's talking about, okay? You know what I started thinking, guys? When it goes down and we get left behind, this is how the tribulation force. This is how they're going to like maintain their economy when they don't take the mark. They're going to use Bitcoin. Straight up, that's where my mind went. It started going to, huh? This is how uh, you know. This is how those that get left behind 
right? That then realize what's going down here with old Nikolai, his ascension. Okay, this is how they're going to maintain their way of life. You know, is, is essentially a, 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 a subversive counterculture. And this is going to be how they're going to exchange goods and services. It'll be with something like a Bitcoin. Well, well if we're already underground, so but like right now, everybody knows who Jimmy is on, right? On, I mean, he's identifiable, yes, yes, right? Yeah. Well, that's, that's how now, I mean, if they just decide to make it illegal. I, I like that. You're not even arguing with me that we will be left behind. Oh, no, that's, you just skipped that argument and went to, yeah, I just. That, that, that's you, the easy math for me. <laughs> I, my, I mind, just, my mind did go there. Oh, this is how you'll, you know, this how you'll subvert the global community. You'll do it this way. But then we'll, you'll write code so that it's not open sourced for everyone. It's just open sourced for the people that have, that are part of, you'll have to essentially create an alternative culture. So just like the mark. I can't believe I'm this in the weeds with this, but this is where my mind is at. Just like the market allows you to buy and sell above ground, you'll have to have a certain code or code word in order to have access to the underground economy or the underground railroad. It'll just be uh, digital. I'll be the guy bartering in cigarettes or something like that. They'll just hang you first. Yeah. All right. Let's get to um, Pop Culture Tuesday when we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism and we're into the final month two months of the year and so this is when well in a traditional theatrical release cycle we're not we're still not in one we're getting closer to one but this is typically now the summertime is when the big budget stuff comes out christmas time holidays is when a couple big budget things come out but also a lot of stuff that the studios think are deserving of critical acclaim but next to summer it is the most uh, it is the busiest release window uh, in the industry. So I thought I'd run down up to this point, all right? So as of November 15th, so far, the 10 best movies that I've seen this year and why. And then, you know, when we get into January and I've had a chance to get through the entire 2021 catalog of movies I'm interested in, some of you will like, how this movie is great. Why is it on your list? Either I haven't seen it or I don't want to because it doesn't interest me. That, that's my list. And say it was that list, it's my list. My list. And then in the next breath you say, but it is still objectively the greatest list. <laughs> yeah, it's still objectively the best list, yes. But it's my list, yes. All right, so I'll be interested to see how many of these movies you guys have seen. Okay? My number 10 movie, I'll go from bottom to, the, to number one. My number 10 movie is The Guilty with Jake Gyllenhaal. It is the most recent addition to my list. It's a Netflix original Hall is masterful in this film. He plays a 9-11 call operator. So like the entire film takes place within um, a self-contained set and is a guy that's about to produce a movie that largely takes place within a self-contained set. I was fascinated to see how they were going to pull this thing off. Okay. And they did. And it's masterfully done. Uh, Hall plays a very troubled 9-11 call operator who is actually... Uh, under discipline, he's he's actually a street cop in L.A. who's been uh, he's been disciplined down to a 9/11 call operator. You're going to find out throughout the movie why. I don't want to spoil it for you, but he ends up taking one ill-fated call that changes the course of his whole night and and basically his entire life. Okay, and it's 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 very well done, exceedingly well acted. It's number ten on my list right now. 
Number nine uh, is A Quiet Place Part 2. It's not as good as the first one. It's still, though, an exceedingly well-done movie. And it expands the universe as in, so what about other families beyond just this one? What happened to them? You learn a little bit more about the origin of the aliens that, that came, where they came from, and why, or really there was no reason why. It just was a random act. Uh, essentially, uh, but it's exceedingly well acted. Uh, it has, I, I think, one of the best actors living today. If 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 God had granted me any living actor to play Nefarious, I would have chosen Cillian Murphy. Okay, but you know that's a little above our pay grade. Okay, um, uh, he is fantastic in this film as a rare sympathetic figure. That's you know he doesn't typically play the sympathetic no, figure. In these movies, right? So, uh, A Quiet Place Part 2 is number nine on my list. Number eight is Batman The Long Halloween. This is an outstanding DC animated feature. This might be... It might be the best animated film either Marvel or DC has done of any of their properties in recent memory. Now, it's got pretty good subject matter because The Long Halloween... Next to The Dark Knight Returns is probably the most popular Batman comic run of all time. A lot of Christopher Nolan's run of Dark Knight movies is inspired by The Long Halloween. But it's it's it comes in two parts. It's really one movie. They just broke it up in two parts. They could rip you off for two separate purchases and rentals. But, I mean, it, it's it's really well done. It's well written. It's the voice. It's well voice acted. I mean, it's it's I, I, I would highly recommend it. Okay, I, if you're into this genre at all, and you love the source material, I mean, it, if Christopher Nolan did an animated film, this would be the one. That's how good it is. Number seven is a movie not enough people have seen, called Profile. Profile takes almost exclusively takes place during a Zoom or Skype kind of call, and or or a series of these calls, and it surrounds a British investigative journalist who's been charged with seeing if she can get an exclusive on the inner makings of ISIS. So she goes online and, and, and pretends to be one of these British girls that's infatuated with ISIS figures and is interested in being a, a, a candidate to be a bride. And you see the exchanges that go on between her and this member of ISIS. Again, very well acted, very original. That's the other thing I like about it. Uh, there was a movie out with, um, um, I can't remember the name of it now, the father who goes after, tries to think, whose daughter was missing and almost all of it took place on YouTube as he tries to hunt, you know, and figure out what happened to her. And I thought this movie is done by the same people that did that film and that movie was in my top 10 of that year. I just can't remember what it's called right now. But Profile is exceedingly well done. And it assumes that the audience is smart. So if you're looking for a hidden gem that from earlier this year that you have not heard of and you want a movie to watch tonight after the kids go to bed, this is one I would recommend. Number six is kind of the first big blockbuster movie post-COVID this year. Came out back in the spring. Nobody. It's just great. And it's a ton of fun. And if you're a guy, particularly Todd, if you're in our age group, this is like your this is like Rocky in the suburbs. Rocky for the suburban desperate uh, middle-aged uh dad, okay? 
that think I'm past my prime uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm outliving my usefulness and I'm just going through the motions. Uh, I, I love this movie and it, it, it completes me. Okay. <laughs> I, I would highly recommend if you are in my age group, this movie is your fight club. It was made for you. Okay. Number five is Dune. Now I'm going to go back and watch it again because I'm not entirely sure I understood everything going on. Because it drops you right in the middle of these characters and assumes you know what's going on. That being said, I mean, it it's Lord of the Rings scale of filmmaking. I mean, it it's it 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 looks phenomenal. It it's gripping. It it has some outstanding lot. Fear is the mind killer. I mean, it it has definitely some things that can be future quotable material on this show, like the Lord of the Rings films have often been, okay? So I could see this movie being higher on my list at the end of the year once I watch it again, and I think I even have a better handle on the source material because I generally know what Frank Herbert's novels are about. I just didn't read them a lot growing up, okay? But it's, it's A1 filmmaking. Number four is The Last Duel. We did a Pop Culture Tuesday about this movie a few weeks ago. Um, you're talking about you know world class actors and and uh, involved in this film and it shows it's 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 not it has it looks like a Ridley Scott film and it has the action of a Ridley Scott film but it it, it has a a level of storytelling we've not seen in a Ridley Scott film since Gladiator. Now I'm not saying it's that good because Gladiator is one of the greatest films of all time. It's on my all time top ten list, but it is the closest he's come to that since. And I love the fact that this episode in history is told from all three of the major characters' perspectives throughout the course of the film and then merged into one narrative at the very end. All right. So the last duel is number four on my list. Number three is Free Guy, which is the absolute perfect summer movie. Checks every box, nothing wrong with it. There are no flaws. Ryan Reynolds is great. The story is great. Um, it's funny. Uh, it's endearing. Um, it, it has a, a, a sort of a, a, a Tom Hanks big innocence to it. But, it, you know, it also has a lot. Imagine big, but with CGI and modern special effects. And instead of I go back to my past, I go into the virtual world and try to become something I'm not uh, and, 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 and live a different existence. I mean, it, I love the film. I uh, loved every minute of it. Uh, it. It puts us, you smile throughout the movie quite a bit. And it has um, a pretty, you know, wholesome message at the very end of it as well. So uh, Free Guy is phenomenal. Uh, it's the it's the best popcorn movie of the year. In fact, I don't know of a movie, a popcorn movie that even approaches it in terms of quality. It's like in a class by itself, in my view. Number two is Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um it took too long and may, maybe it came too late, but we finally got the Justice League movie that nerds like me have deserved and waited on for many, many decades. The quality of this film, anybody at Warner Brothers who is, who is involved in putting out the Joss Whedon version should not only never work in Hollywood again, be deported if not um, forcibly committed uh, as maybe not a sane individual. I mean, the quality of this film is is from the sound effects to the scoring, to the acting, to the story. To, I don't even know what to say, man. I mean, it's just 
this is legit. And if they had done this right the first time, who knows, um, you know, how things might have turned out. Uh, it's it's just an epic film. It's three and a half hours. And, and like a Lord of the Rings movie, I wanted it to go on. Uh, I didn't I didn't want to leave the these, this world. I didn't want to leave these characters. It's it's a friggin masterpiece. And it's still on HBO Max. And my number one movie of the year, and it's going to take something pretty special to topple this, is my number one movie of the year. But it's The Courier. And it's a fantastic story about a regular guy that gets roped in. True story. Regular Brit businessman who gets roped into an espionage ring during the Cold War on the brink of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And everything that he had to endure, uh, I mean, it it's just, absolutely this has to be a Best Picture nominee. We watched this for a family movie night. Even the kids were like, and they're teenagers. They don't like anything anymore unless it's what they want to do. Even even Put it this way, after this was done, for the first time in a while, the kids actually wanted to talk about a movie afterwards and what it meant and what stuff was going on. And it's just... Um, uh, it, it, it's an absolute masterpiece. It looks like a, it, it's a Spielberg level of production and it absolutely should be nominated for best picture. Far and away the best movie I've seen so far this year, The Courier. All right, before I get you guys' thoughts on that, I'll tell you about our friends at realestateagentsitrust.com. If you do decide you want to escape from a blue state COVID stand or you just need to make a move for whatever reason, make sure before you do that, though, especially in these unprecedented times, you go in with a real estate agent you can trust and you'd find them where the name kind of says it all at realestateagentsitrust.com. We'll find you an agent that will come in, take charge of your situation while knowing and admitting that you are the one ultimately in charge. And then also, though, comes with a fully vetted track record of success. Go to this website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, realestateagentsitrust.com. I got like 30 seconds, 10 seconds each, quick fire on that list. Todd, uh, 1.5, number of movies you've seen, over or under? Under. I'm setting mine at 0.5, over or under, guys? Under. Yeah. I want to see see all of them. You haven't seen like any of these movies? I haven't seen any of them. I want to see all of them, though. Does that count for anything? Why do I try? Why do I try? John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.